Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness, and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray, <coughs> and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that He has no partners or associates. And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. We'd like to begin this evening as we return uh, to our regular session for fiqh al-hadith or the fiqh or understanding the rulings, regulations, guidelines that are found in the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I'd like to take uh, the next few weeks to concentrate on an aspect of the science of hadith which we have discussed on many occasions in our study of Tayseer al-Allam, the Sharf Amdat al-Ahkam, but we have only passed over it as occasion requires. It is the mention of the sciences of hadith, particularly al-Mustalah, or the technical terminology and classifications of the hadith of the Prophet wasallam. For the next few weeks, Ta'ala, on this night, we would like to discuss some aspects of the sciences or the science of hadith or that aspect of the science of hadith known as Mustalah al-Hadith. Before beginning the study of this science or this knowledge, the ilm al-hadith, I would like to make some introductory remarks to try to put into perspective something uh, related to exactly what is ilm al-hadith or ulum al-hadith and what specifically is al-mustalah. First, we should know or we should be reminded of the importance of the hadith of the Prophet and its importance is directly related to the status or the importance of the Prophet himself. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that which makes us to know the great importance of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his role and our obligation towards him and our relationship with him in the saying of Allah لَقَدَ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا that definitely there is for you an excellent example or model in the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam لَقَدَ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ Hasana, a good and excellent example to follow or a model for our conduct and behavior. Also, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرِ وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرِ لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِّلَ إِلَيْهِمْ 
that we have revealed or sent down to you. This is addressed directly to the Prophet ﷺ that we have sent down to you as dhikr, the Qur'an, the remembrance so that you, that is the Prophet ﷺ, will make clear for the people that which has been revealed to them or that which has been sent down to them. It is hoped that they will reflect. The Prophet ﷺ, his role, just a minute, take those papers, all of them, all of them, the others too. The Prophet ﷺ, in this ayah, his role is made clear that number one, the Qur'an has been revealed to him and number two, it is his responsibility to make the Qur'an clear, to clarify to give the bayan, clarification of that which has been revealed to the people. And this clarification is contained in his sunnah. The clarification of the Qur'an is contained in the sunnah, in the words as well as the actions and approvals of the Prophet ﷺ. Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made us to know, and that ayat is in Surah Al-Nahl chapter 1644, Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes us to know that the Prophet ﷺ, his status is such that whoever wants to earn the love of Allah and forgiveness of their sins, they have to follow him. Yani, earning the love of Allah and forgiveness of one's sins is achieved through al-ittiba'a, following, strictly following the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ali Imran, chapter 3, verse 31, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي Allah says to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, قُلْ, say, say to them, إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ If you love Allah, فَاتَّبِعُونِي Then follow me. يُحْبِبُكُمُ اللَّهِ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُرْ رَحِيمٌ and if you follow me, then Allah will love you and Allah will forgive you your sins. And Allah is forgiving, merciful. And also, another verse, and the verses in the Qur'an are many, showing the importance of the sunnah and the need for the sunnah and the status of the Prophet ﷺ. The saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah An-Nur, chapter 24, verse 63, الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ أَنْ عَمْرِهِ أَنْ تُصِيبَهُمْ فِتْنَةٌ أَوْ يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ فَلْيَحْذَرْ Then you must be warned and be cautioned الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ أَنْ عَمْرِهِ Whoever opposes his affair, his matter, his way, his command The Messenger of Allah وسلم, Whoever contradicts him, opposes him, goes against that what he has instructed us or the example that he has given us, then they should be warned and to see bahum fitna, that fitna may overcome them. A trial, a temptation. Yani that they would be afflicted in this world and also they would have a terrible punishment in the next. The fitna is in this world and the azab alim is in the next life. These are a few of the ayats which make us to know the importance of the status of the Prophet ﷺ. And likewise, and it follows that it shows us the importance of the sunnah or the hadith and the study of hadith and the knowledge of hadith. Also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Najm chapter 53 verse 3 and 4 concerning the Prophet ﷺ and his guidance and instructions which he has given to us, which has been preserved. It has been transmitted and it has been passed on to us in the books, in the literature of hadith. The saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيِيُّهَا Some of the scholars said that this verse, that he doesn't speak from his own self. Yani whatever the Prophet says, it's not from his own self, from his desires, but it is in fact, revelation which is revealed. This is a clear proof, an indication, as many of the scholars of tafsir and the scholars of sunnah said, it is a clear proof that the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, that which is contained in the 
hadith literature, the authentic hadith of the Prophet it is wahi, it is revelation. Yani the revelation is in two divisions, the revelation contained in the Quran and the revelation which is the sunnah. And the Prophet when he speaks, it's not anything from his own self, it is revelation that is revealed. Also, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he indicated to us in numerous hadith, from amongst them the hadith reported in the Sunnah of Abu Dawood, فَإِنَّهُ مَنْ يَعِيشْ مِنْكُمْ بَعْدِي فَسَيَرَى اِخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا Then know that whoever lives after me, he shall see great differences amongst the people. Now we saw, even in the earlier days, and especially in the later days, we see the ikhtilaf, kithir, so much difference of opinion, bickering, arguing, disputing differences amongst the people. And the sunnah, according to this hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, it is the criterion, and it is the solution to solve the differences. He said, whoever lives after me, you will see much difference. What shall we do? فَعَلَيْكُمْ بِسُنَّتِي وَسُنَّتِي الْخُلَفَاءِ الرَّاشِدِينَ الْمَهْدِيِينَ مِنْ بَعْدِي Then it is obligatory on you, it is incumbent. فَعَلَيْكُمْ It is incumbent upon you to take to my sunnah and the sunnah of the rightly guided khalifas. Also in the hadith reported in the sunnah of Abu Dawud, likewise, the, had- the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, أَلَا إِنِّي أُوْتِيْتُ أَلَا إِنِّي أُوْتِيْتُ الْقُرْآنَ وَمِثْلَهُ isn't it so that I have been given the Qur'an wa mislahu and that which is like it, that which is similar to it, meaning the sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ made it clear that he has been given two lights of guidance, al-Qur'an wa mislahu and that which is like it, which is the sunnah. And he said in that hadith, Ala wa innama harrama Allah, ala wa innama harrama Rasulullah kama harrama Allah, yani that which has been made forbidden by the Messenger of Allah, it is like that which has been made forbidden by Allah. Yani the prohibition which came to us from the Messenger of Allah, it is just as that which is prohibited by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is proven even by the Quran, the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Hashr, chapter 59, verse 7, وَمَا Whatever the Messenger of Allah gives you, take it. Yani whatever He allows for you, makes lawful for you, Take it, it is lawful. And whatever he has prohibited you from, then leave it. Then leave it, it is prohibited. So the making lawful and pro- prohibiting, it is the exclusive right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he has appointed his messenger Muhammad sallallahu also to be the one to deliver those prohibitions and commands, making lawful and unlawful, those matters which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala desires. Uh, these are some, a few of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ which indicate the importance of the sunnah and our need for the sunnah. And this is the basis of our intention to study that aspect of the science of hadith which helps us to reach, to reach the authentic sunnah, to be able to distinguish that which is authentic from that which is unauthentic. Concerning this science of al-mustalah or the science, the technical classifications of the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, its basis or the foundation for it is from the Quran itself and from the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. We have been ordered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we have been reminded by the Messenger of Allah sallallahu wasallam of the importance of confirming, confirming news or information when it came to us in order to distinguish that which is true from that which is false. And delivering that which came to us of the Sharia, of the laws of Allah, delivering them, carefully receiving them with care and attention, meticulously, and also delivering that which we have received as, we re- as it came to us. The saying of Allah in Surah Al-Hujurat, chapter 49, verse 6, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِنْ جَاءَكُمْ فَاسِكٌ بِنَبَئٍ فَتَبَيَّنُوا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the believers, all you who believe, إِنْ جَاءَكُمْ فَاسِقٌ If someone came to you of questionable character, evil, sinful, wicked person, بِنَبَئٍ with some information, 
fatabayyinu, then make clear, investigate, check. And in some of the uh, readings, qiraat of the Qur'an, some of the scholars of qiraat, they said, fatabayyinu, fatasabbatu, investigate, check, confirm. Don't just take information that comes to you, which is unfortunately the habit of the Muslims today. Anyone says the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said, they just pass it on. We don't check. We don't investigate. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders in the Qur'an, if anyone brings you news, especially the fasiq, the person whose character is questionable, who's not known to be of good character, and also not only of good character, but also of يعني, the person who is accurate in reporting that which they have heard, we should investigate, ascertain the truth, يعني, so that we don't take something that is false and pass it on. But we are required to check. And whenever we pass on the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, we should pass it on accurately as it came to us, but only after confirming and distinguishing that which is true from that which is false. The Prophet ﷺ said in a hadith reported in the Sunnah of Abu Dawood, the Sunnah of Al-Tirmidhi and the Muslim of Imam Ahmed, and many other of the reporters or the scholars of hadith reported it. He said, نَظَّرَ اللَّهِ إِمْرَأً سَمِيَ مَقَالَتِي وَوَعَاهَا فَأَدَّاهَا كَمَا سَمِيَا نَظَّرَ اللَّهِ إِمْرَأً سَمِيَا مَقَالَتِي May Allah make bright a person or make happy a person who heard one of my sayings, who heard something from me وَوَعَاهَا And then he carefully preserved it. And he heard it, he gave attention to it وَوَعَاهَا He took it in accurately and carefully فَأَدَّاهَا Then he delivered it to others كَمَا سَمِيَا Exactly as he heard it. And if this is an instruction, or it is an information, but it is as in the form of information, or dua, but actually it is a command and an instruction from the Prophet ﷺ, that when we hear his sayings, then we should carefully receive it accurately, and we should deliver it to others accurately, just as we heard it. For perhaps the person who the information reached them, who received it, مبلغ, the one who had reached, might be more accurate than the one who originally heard it. And in some of the narrations, it said that perhaps the one who it is delivered to, or the one who carries it, al-hamil, might not be a faqih, or a person who understands, as the one who is delivered to, who might understand after the hadith, or the saying of the Prophet ﷺ is delivered to them accurately, perhaps the one who is delivered to might understand it, and the fiqh of it, better than the one who delivered it. In any case, it is our responsibility to hear it properly, accurately, and to deliver it just as we heard it. Also, what makes us to know the importance of the study of hadith, particularly this aspect of the sciences of hadith, is the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, reported in Al-Bukhari, and it is a warning. It is a warning of all of those who are not careful, who carelessly receive the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ and who carelessly deliver it to others without delivering it accurately and without distinguishing between that which is false or investigating in order to distinguish that which is false from that which is true. The saying of the Prophet reported by Al-Bukhari rahimahullah من كذب علي متعمدا whoever lied on me intentionally فليتبوى مقعده then let him be, let him know that he is guaranteed a seat in the hell fire. Whoever lies on me intentionally, then let him know he is guaranteed a seat in the hell fire. This makes us to know the seriousness of the obligation to deliver only that which has been authentically reported from the Prophet ﷺ, because whoever passes on to others lies on the Prophet, they also join in. Although, in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever lies on me intentionally, perhaps some people may say, well, we passed on some hadith not knowing if it was authentic or not. We didn't intentionally lie on the Prophet ﷺ. Well, it is reported by Imam Muslim in his muqaddama, in the introduction to his sahih. In that hadith, it's considered to be hasan, kafa bil mar'i, it is sufficient for a person to be considered a liar. It is sufficient for a person to be considered a liar if they pass on everything that they hear. And you haditha bikulli ma Everything you hear, you pass it on? No. That it is sufficient 
to, for you to be considered a liar if you, without distinction, pass on whatever you hear. Because some of what you hear may be true and some of it will not be true. So if you pass on everything you hear, you will be classified as a liar. And especially in the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he said, من حدث عني بحديث يرى أنه كذب فهو أحد الكاذبين أو الكاذبين أو الكذابين. Here in this hadith, Prophet said, whoever reports from me a hadith which he thinks or considers that it might be a lie, then he will be one of the liars. Yani the one who made it up, who fabricated the lie, and the one who passed it on, while not knowing for sure if it is true or false. Whoever narrates from the Prophet a hadith which they think, they consider that it may be a lie, it may not be true, then they will become one of the liars, the one who fabricated it and the one who passed it on. And if you are not the one who fabricated it, but you pass it on, you become one of those who lie on the Prophet, and whoever lies on the Prophet, then they are sternly warned of a punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Muhammad ibn Sirin, rahimahullah, one of the great scholars of the Tabi'een, one of the greatest of the scholars of the Tabi'een, the students of Sahaba, and he died in the beginning of the second century of the Hijrah in the year 110. It is reported authentically that he said, إِنَّ هَذَا الْعِلْمِ دِينٌ فَانْظُرْ عَمَّنْ تَأْخُذُونَ دِينَكُمْ That verily this knowledge, the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, it is deen, it is your deen, it is your deen. فَانْظُرْ إِلَىٰ عَمَّنْ تَأْخُذُونَ دِينَكُمْ So look and consider and be careful from who you are taking your deen. Some people accept Anything they hear from anyone attributed to the Prophet ﷺ without any consideration of who they are taking it from. But even at that early stage, in the beginning of the second century, after the hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ, they recognize that we have to distinguish who we take our deen from. And it is also reported from Muhammad ibn Sirin, rahimahullah, that he said, لَمْ يَكُونُوا يَسْأَلُونَ عَنَ الْإِسْنَادِ That in the beginning, in the first generation of the Muslims, they didn't used to ask about the isnad, about chain of narrators. Yani, who reported it? From who? Where did you get it from? They weren't asking, asking at that time. Because the people who were reporting those words were the Sahaba, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. There was no need to ask about them, because they were all truthful. فَلَمَّا وَقَعَتَ الْفِتْنَةِ قَالُوا سَمُّوا لَنَا رِجَالَكُمْ But when the fitna arose, the conflict and confusion between the Muslims, when this took place, then they said, Name us your men. Yeah, and he tell us who you heard it from. When someone is reporting something from the Prophet ﷺ, they said, who did you hear it from? We want to know who are the narrators of this saying. Who did you get it from? Then you should look to the people of Sunnah, and their hadith is taken. It is accepted. وَيَنظُرْ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِ الْبِدْعَةِ فَلَا يُخَذْ حَدِيثُهُمْ And when you look to the people of innovation, their hadith is not to be taken. And this is also reported from uh, Muhammad ibn Sirin and the Muqaddimah or the introduction to the Sahih of Muslim. And likewise the saying of Abdul ibn Mubarak, one of the greatest scholars in the second century of the Hijrah, he said, which, that which is also reported by Imam Muslim in the introduction to his Sahih Al-Isnad Min Al-Deen Al-Isnad, the chain of narrators it is part of our deen it means that accepting hadith attributing or ascribing something to the Prophet ﷺ without consideration of its source, where it came how did it reach us without consideration of it is a mistake because Al-Isnad Min Al-Deen فَلَوْلَا الْإِسْنَادِ لَقَالَ مَنْ شَاءَ مَا شَاءَ And if it wasn't for the Isnad, if it wasn't for the chain of narration, then whoever willed would have been able to say whatever they willed. Anyone would have been able to lie on the Prophet ﷺ. There wouldn't be any way to distinguish. But that which protected the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, it is the Isnad. And this Isnad is not something to be taken lightly. It is of utmost importance. If it wasn't for the Isnad, then anyone would have been able to lie and say the Prophet ﷺ said, as we see happening today, because we have not given care to Isnad, now everyone is saying anything. You can go in the masjids, 
even in the khutbah on the radio people are saying qala rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam and it is kadhib lies on the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam not authentic in some places among some people you will find people making fabricated stories fantastic narrations of things that were never said by the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in fact many of those sayings have been reported by the scholars of hadith and mawdu'at in the books where they collected the fabrications against the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam these people are taking those sayings and they are reporting them and teaching the muslims these lies these lies which help a person to get into the hellfire al isnad min ad din the isnad the chain of narrators it is part of our deen and if it wasn't for the isnad then whoever will would have been able to say whatever they will and no one would have been able to stop them but alhamdulillah because of the fact that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who preserved the quran and the sunnah being the explanation of the quran he also guaranteed the preservation of the sunnah because when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guarantees the protection and preservation of the quran it also includes the protection and preservation of the understanding of the quran which is contained in the sunnah these are just introductory remarks can someone take those papers there concerning the importance of the sunnah and the status of the sunnah and the need for us to enable ourselves at least in the basics to enable ourselves to take this one uh, there are two yeah to enable ourselves to be able to distinguish the authentic hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam from that which is unauthentic uh before going on i just want to give a general overview of the sciences of hadith uh so that we will put into perspective this particular aspect or this division of the science of hadith the sciences of hadith or ilm al hadith has been divided into divisions some of the scholars divided them into two divisions ad-diraya and ar-riwaya ad-diraya and ar-riwaya ad-diraya it is that which it is consisting of two parts which we have mentioned here in the general over, overview of the science of hadith al-mutun and ash-shuruh al-mutun it is the plural of matn it means the text of a hadith and ash-shuruh is the plural of sharh it means the explanations of the hadith these two aspects of the ulum al-hadith are coming under the title of ad-diraya diraya d i r a a y a h ad-diraya ad-diraya includes the texts the books which contain collections of the texts the sayings and actions and approvals of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam as well as ash-shuruh or the explanations of those texts of the hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the fiqh or the fahm the understanding of the text from amongst the mutun or the text of hadith we may look at for example to start with such books as al arba'in al nawawiya the 40 hadith of al-imam al nawawi rahimahullah which is a very small elementary yani simple text of hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam various aspects of islam encouraging the muslims in a number of different fields likewise beyond that we might look at such books as umdat al ahkam which we have been studying for the past year or two umdat al ahkam and we have been studying its explanation tafsir al alam the sharh of umdat al ahkam umdat al ahkam also is a primary book of texts sayings of the prophet sallallahu alaihi actions and approvals but umdat al ahkam is a book which contains the hadith only from al bukhari and muslim and those hadith which relate to rulings or judgments or laws in islam ahkam so it is also a primary book that muslims should look at in order to learn something about the sunnah likewise one of the important fundamental books which contain 
hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which is widespread and well known, is the famous book of Imam al-Nawi, Riyadh al-Salihin. It is also a summary, a small collection, but more comprehensive than the 40 hadith, uh, and it contains various aspects of the sunnah, including uh, not only rulings and guidelines and salat and uh, tahara and things like this, but also matters related to the next life and encouraging Muslims to acts of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. After that, we might look at other books such as Al-Lu'lu wal-Marjan, the collection of hadith which have been agreed upon by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. And these books which I mentioned, 40 hadith and Riyadh al-Salihin, other than Umdat al-Ahkam and, and also Lu'lu al-Marjan are translated into English, which we have access to. Lu'lu al-Marjan, it is those hadith which both Al-Bukhari and Muslim have reported in their Sahih. Al-Bukhari reported and Muslim reported. They are agreed. Those hadith which are referred to as Muttafakun alayhi. Agreed upon by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. There is a collection of hadith, Al-Lu'lu al-Marjan, which uh, is all of those hadith which are agreed upon by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. And after that we can look at Bukhari itself and Muslim, Jamil Usul, Muwatsar Imam Malik and many other books which contain the reports or the narrations of the texts of the Sunnah as they are preserved by the scholars of Hadith. Likewise, these books, the texts which we look at, memorize and reflect upon, need to be compiled or I mean they should be joined to or studied with the books of Shuruh, the books of explanation which give us the understanding of those books and there are a number of books giving the explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam Nawawi some of them small and some of them extensive and from the most extensive of them uh, is a book that was recently compiled and translated into English uh, in America by one of the brothers there, Jamal Zarabozo in uh, three large comprehensive volumes explanation of 40 hadith and there are also some summarized very very small uh, translations of explanation of 40 hadith. Uh, also, some of the books of Ahkam, such as Bulugh al-Maram by Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani, and its explanation, Subh al-Salam by Imam al-Sanani, the Sharh Umdat al-Ahkam, which we are studying, Taysir al-Alam, as well as other uh, scholars who gave explanation of it, and the explanation of the larger books, such as Fat al-Bari, the explanation of Sahih al-Bukhari, the Sharh of Imam Nawawi of Sahih Muslim, and Tamheed, the explanation of the Muwatta of Imam Malik, Tamheed by the great scholar uh, Ibn Abdul Bar. These two aspects, the texts of hadith and the explanations of hadith, these come under the first division of the knowledge or the science of hadith, Ad-Diraya. Ad-Diraya. Ad-Diraya includes the texts of hadith as well as the explanations. The other aspect of Ilmul Hadith which is the aspect that we want to look at in the study in these next few classes it is Ar-Riwaya Ar-Riwaya includes that which is mentioned in C and D under point number two Al-Mustalah the technical terminology or classifications of hadith and as well as Al-Takhrij and Ilm Ar-Rijal Al-Takhrij means the extraction and identification of the sources of hadith Yani being able to detect where hadith comes from. Is it from Bukhari, from Muslim, from Abu Dawood, from At-Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah, Muwatta? Where is it from? From the Muslim Imam Ahmed? Where did the hadith come? Identifying its sources, this is what is referred to in B, At-Takhrij. And along with it, also on the Takhrij, is those uh, sources of the biographies of the narratives of hadith, which is known as Ilm al-Rijal. It is the identification and critical classification of the narratives of hadith or the rijal. This takhrij, the sources of hadith, identifying where the hadith came from, and ar-rijal, the narratives, the biographies of the narratives of hadith, we also will not deal with in our study in the next few weeks, but I am only mentioning here to put things in perspective. These are some of the sciences of hadith that are a part of the total ulum al-hadith. The part that we want to deal with is C, Al-Mustalah, or technical classifications of hadith. The technical classifications of hadith inform us of uh, those hadith which 
are authentic or unauthentic, those hadith which have complete chains or broken chains, those which are attributed to the Prophet or attributed to Sahaba or attributed to Tabi'een and so on. Classifying the hadith into different classifications, this is what is studied under the division of ulum al-hadith known as al-mustalah. And this is what we want to talk about in detail, al-mustalah. This is what we want to talk about in detail tonight and in the next few weeks. Uh, before going on to the preliminary definitions in C, I just want to mention to you that there is a list which you have important English references for the sciences of hadith. And I've listed here 11 books which are available in English. And the books dealing with ulum al-hadith are many in Arabic, hundreds, thousands of books. But in English, alhamdulillah, there are a few only, but some good books. And some of the books that, that are available in English, which, um, we have, which are accessible, which are in the market, which are possible for someone to get a hold of, um, I've listed some of them here. The first of them is an introduction to the science of hadith by Dr. Suhaib Hassan, uh, which was published by Al-Quran Society originally, and the following year was published by Dar Salam Publishes. It's available from Dar Salam and Riyadh. Uh, it's a small book, and that's the book that we are going to be reading from and studying. An introduction to the science of hadith by Dr. Suhaib Hassan. Uh, also, among those books which I have listed here, uh, is Criticism of Hadith Among Muslims which, with reference to the Sunan of Ibn Majah. This book, uh, it is also by Dr. Suhaib Hassan, and it was his master's degree thesis. It's 254 pages. It's a comprehensive, technical, very, very important and valuable work. If anyone can read this book, it is of extreme importance for those who are interested in knowing something about the science of hadith. The third book that we mentioned here is Studies in Hadith, Methodology and Literature by Dr. Muhammad Mustafa Al-Azami, which was published in America by American Trust Publications. It's 122 pages, and it's also a very, very important and extremely valuable book explaining something about hadith studies and hadith literature. It has a section dealing with Mustalah hadith and it also has a section dealing with some of the important books of hadith that a Muslim needs to know about. Uh, also, another book which we listed here is Studies in, in Early Hadith Literature, also by Dr. Muhammad Mustafa Al-Azami, uh, which is a very, very large book. It was his master's degree thesis and it contains detailed discussions of some of the uh, early hadith literature, yani in the first generations, in the first and half century after the Hijrah. Also, another book by Dr. Muhammad Mustafa Azami, Sketches Origins of Muhammadan Jurisprudence, in which he deals with a number of things dealing with uh, fiqh, and amongst them he deals with the sunnah and some of the false uh, claims that were made by this orientalist, Sketch, he refutes him in a very, very yani, uh, yani scholarly manner. Also, uh, another small book, which is only 53 pages, it's one of the most early, or one of the earlier books that were published in English concerning hadith. It is Al-Hadith Introductory, Introduction in Sample Text by Dr. Muhammad Abdul Rauf, who was the director of Islamic Center in Washington, a scholar from Egypt, from Azhar University, who lived in America for a long time. And this book was written in 1974. It was one of the first books dealing with yani, some matters related to the science of hadith, although it's very simple and brief, but it's also useful if someone can get a hold of it. Also, the place of hadith in Islam, which basically was a conference about uh, on that sub topic, the place of hadith in Islam. Uh, it was a number of lectures deli delivered at that conference in 1975 in America, Muslim Student Association, uh, and it has a number of yani, transcripts from the lectures given at that conference, and from amongst them are two lectures by Muhammad Mustafa Al-Azami, uh, which also is very, very important and useful. Uh, and I don't know, also we have here um, Hadith Literature, Its Origin, Development and Special Features by Muhammad Zubair Siddiqui, 
um, which was published by the Islamic Tech Society in Cambridge, which is an Orientalist organization as far as I know. In any case, it's a very scholarly work. It's 174 pages, and it's available. It's published in England. Also, uh, some of the books which I didn't, um, which I also mentioned here, which are also useful, and we should try to find them if possible. It is some of them are available. One of them is Mountains of Knowledge and Heritage of the Prophet of the Prophets. Uh, that book was published in England by Salafi Publications. It's 270 pages. Part of the book deals with the Aqidah of some of the early scholars of the Ahl-Sunnah wa Jumaah, and the second half of the book deals with biographies of, of some of the greatest scholars of Hadith in the early generations of the Muslims. And these biographies are not available probably in English anywhere else. Uh, another small book which is only 20 pages but very, very valuable, and perhaps we'll copy it and give it out, it is checking of the Ahadith in the lawful and prohibited Islam, Al-Halal wa Al-Haram fil Islam by Dr. Yusuf Qardawi. Uh, the checking of those hadith which he mentions in his book, which are either da'if, weak, or mawdu'a, fabricated hadith. And those, that checking comes from Ghayat al-Maram, a book written by Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani, rahimahullah, in which he uh, clarified and classified the hadith mentioned by Dr. Yusuf Qaradaw in his book, Al-Halal wa Haram al-Islam. That book, Al-Halal wa Haram al-Islam, is available in English and widespread in the English-speaking world. It contains many weak and fabricated hadith, and we should be warned from that. And for that reason, this small pamphlet, which is only 20 pages, is valuable, because he lists those hadith which Sheikh al-Albani uh, clarified their weakness or their uh, fabrication. And the last hadith is common misconceptions regarding some Quranic verses and prophetic hadith which was published a year ago by International Islamic Publishing House. It's a small book, 94 pages, and it mentions some uh, uh, ayats from the Qur'an which people misunderstood and mentions some hadith of the Prophet ﷺ which are commonly uh, mentioned or reported by, by the Muslims which are unauthentic. So these are some books which relate directly or indirectly to the science of hadith. Whoever can get a hold of them, inshallah, it's valuable and they should do so. Uh, this is related to the books. Yani, I, I encourage everyone to try to get a hold of these books and try to benefit from them. The last thing that we want to talk about this evening, it is point number three, preliminary definitions. And these preliminary definitions are really important in order for a person to understand Muskala Hadith. Uh, these are our basic points, but they are yani, a necessity. They are of utmost importance that we understand them. We will primarily deal with the book of uh, Sheikh Suhaib Hassan, but for some of the technical matter, we may also refer to some Arabic texts, such as Taysir, Mustala Hadith by Dr. Mahmoud Fahan, or um, the book of Sheikh uh, Abdul Muhsin Al Abbad, Min Atiyab Al Manhsi Ilm Al Mustala, which was the text used. Uh, for the high school studies at the Islamic University in Medina. Both of these books uh, are useful references for those who may have access to Arabic because both of them are simple, uh, abridged, summarized versions, uh, though covering most of the topics in Mustal Hadith. So the primary or the preliminary definitions that we need to look at are first of all, Ilm al-Mustalah. Ilm al-Mustalah uh, it is the knowledge of the principles and rules by which the condition or state of the Isnad chain of narrators and the Metin text may be known in reference to its acceptance or rejection. Yani the usul, the fundamental principles and the qawaid, the rules, fundamental rules or foundations through which through these principles and rules, a person may come to know what is the condition of the chain of narrators or the text of a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, meaning whether or not it is acceptable or unacceptable. Is it authentic or unauthentic? These rules or principles that enable us to know whether or not a chain of narrators is a good chain or whether or not a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ is acceptable or unacceptable, this knowledge of these principles is what is known as ilm al-mustalah. Yani mustalah hadith, it means the principles or rules that a person uses in order to determine whether or not a chain of narrators 
is acceptable or not. Whether or not a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ is authentic or unauthentic. These are the rules or the principles that we want to look at in our study for the next few weeks. The knowledge of these rules and principles. What is the subject of Mustalah Hadith? The subject of Mustalah Hadith is the chain of narrators or the metin, the text, knowing whether or not it is acceptable or unacceptable. Yani the senate, the chain of narrators or the metin, the text as regards its acceptance or rejection. This is the subject matter of Mustalah Hadith. And what is its benefit? The scholars said the benefit of Mustalah Hadith is tamyiz as-sahih min as-saqim min al-ahadith. Yani it is, it enables one to distinguish between the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ which are authentic and those which are weak. The benefit of Mustalah Hadith is that it enables you to distinguish the authentic from the unauthentic hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. What could be more important? What could be more important than one's ability to distinguish what is authentically reported from the Prophet from that which is unauthentic, doubtful, or questionable? The first important definition is Al-Hadith. There are three terminologies that are given here, Al-Hadith, Al-Khabr, and Al-Athar. These three words are similar in meaning, so you should pay careful attention to something new. The technical meaning of hadith, it means that which is attributed or ascribed to the Prophet ﷺ of his words, actions, or approvals. The sayings, the actions, or that which the Prophet ﷺ came to know about and he approved of. All of this is included under the technical meaning of al-hadith. And the hadith are the reports of the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, whether his words, his actions, or his tacit approvals. The next word is Al-Khabar. Al-Khabar, it means linguistic, linguistically and never. It means news or information. Istilahan or in Teko terminology, there are three sayings or three opinions of the scholars concerning Al-Khabar. Some of them said Al-Khabar, it means the same as Al-Hadith. If you say Al-Khabar, you mean the same as Hadith. Some scholars said Al-Khabr is not the same as Hadith, but it means something which is reported from other than the Prophet. Yani, not from the Prophet but reported from other than him, they call it Khabr. And they say Hadith means the saying of the Prophet, Khabr means other than the saying of the Prophet. The third opinion is that it's general, including that which is reported from the Prophet or others. Yani, the third opinion of the scholars is that Khabr, it means that which is reported from the Prophet ﷺ, as well as that which is reported from other than the Prophet. So there are three opinions concerning the technical definition of khabar. Some of the scholars use it to mean the same as hadith. And some of them said it means a distinction from hadith. Hadith is what is heard from the Prophet, and khabar is what is heard from anyone other than the Prophet. And the third opinion is that khabar is all-inclusive. It includes what is heard from the Prophet ﷺ, as well as others. The third word of these three which are similar is Al-Athar. Al-Athar, it means Baqiyat al-Shay. Linguistically, it means Baqiyat al-Shay. Yani that which remains, the remnant, that which is left from something, what is left behind. Al-Athar means something left behind, the remnants of something. Technically, there are two opinions of the scholars concerning Al-Athar. One of them, it means the same as Hadith. Yani Al-Hadith and Al-Athar, it means the same. The other opinion is that Al-Athar, it's not the same as Hadith, but it means the sayings and actions of the Sahaba or the Tabi'een. Yani if you want to refer to the sayings of a, of a companion, you say the Athar of Abdullah ibn Umar, for example. The Athar of Abu Hurairah. Athar refers to the sayings and actions of Sahaba or Tabi'een. While hadith refers to the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, according to the second opinion. Yani some of the scholars said, Athar, it means the same as hadith, and some said, no, it means the same as the actions of Sahaba and Tabi'een. So if you look at these three words, you will see that one of the opinions is that al-hadith and al-khabr and al-athar all mean the same. Another opinion is that hadith only refers to the Prophet, while Khabar refers to other than the Prophet and Athar also refers to other than the Prophet, yani Sahaba wa Tabi'een. 
And a third opinion is ascribed to khabar, meaning that it's general, including everything. Yani what is attributed to the Prophet ﷺ, as well as that which is attributed to other than the Prophet. I know that probably hearing this for the first time, it may be yani, a little confusing, but read the definitions carefully and you will see that there are two definitions for each of these words. Uh, or for the second two. That it means different than hadith or it means the same as hadith. Yani khabar means the same as hadith or it means something different than hadith. And same thing with akhar, it means the same as hadith according to one opinion and another opinion means something different than hadith other than the saying that the Prophet ﷺ. And then there's a third opinion for khabar. It means that it's all inclusive including the saying that the Prophet ﷺ, as well as the sayings of other than him. The next definition is al-isnad. Al-isnad it has two meanings. One of them is attributing or ascribing the hadith to the one who said it by way of a chain of narrators. Yani when you, uh, the word al-isnad, it means to attribute by using a chain of narrators. Narrating a saying, saying that it was heard from, for example, it was heard by Al-Imam Malik, from Nafi'i, from Abdul ibn Umar, from the Prophet ﷺ that he said such and such and so and so. When you attribute a saying to the Prophet ﷺ with its isnad, this in Arabic is called al-isnad, attributing it to the one who said it while mentioning the chain of those who reported it. This is one meaning of al-isnad. The second meaning of isnad is the actual chain of narrators. The actual chain of narrators which extends back to the text is called al-isnad. If we look at the people who reported the hadith, that is Imam Malik, from Nafi'i, from Abdul ibn Umar, from the Prophet all the people in that chain of narrative, that chain of narrative is called Al-Isnad. It's called Al-Isnad. This is one meaning of the word Isnad. The first meaning though is the actual attribution or ascribing a saying to the one who said it with the mention of the chain of narrative. This is called Isnad. And the chain of narrative itself is also called Isnad. And here we said that this second meaning of Isnad, referring to the chain of narratives or reporters, it is also referred to by a second word, as Senate. As Senate and Isnad have the same meaning. The second meaning of Isnad is the same as the meaning of as Senate. It means the actual chain of narratives which extends back to the text. That is, the people who reported any saying or action of the Prophet that the listing of those names of the people is called the Senate and it's also called the Isnad. We use these words often in our lectures, especially in the lectures of Fiqh al-Hadith and for this reason it's important to know what do we mean by Isnad? What do we mean by Senate? It means the chain of narrators. And the second part of a Hadith after the Senate or Isnad is the actual words that is reported in the book by a chain of narratives, by a chain of reporters. The words themselves, for example, if we have a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, reported from the Prophet that he said, that actions are judged by intentions. These words, is called the metin, the text, or the reported words. The metin is one part of a hadith. The other part are the people who reported it, the chain of narrators. So a hadith has two parts. It has a chain of the people who passed it down, that's called senate or isnad, and then the words that they reported, that's called the metin. We said linguistically, metin means something solid, which is raised up from the earth. This is the linguistic meaning. But the technical meaning, which we are concerned with, is the actual speech or words which the chain of narrators ends with. Yani when you get to the end of the chain of narrators, there are some words. Those words are called the metin. The chain of narratives is the senate, and that which they reported at the end of the chain is called the metin, the actual speech or words. The next definition is al-musnad. And you should make a distinction between this word and the word following it. Al-musnad is spelt with A, M-U-S-N-A-D. And the following word is al-musnid with I, M-U-S-N-I-D. These two words have a similar meaning, but they are different. One letter is changed. If you see them written in Arabic, they are written exactly the same. But the voweling is different. Musnid and musnid. One with fatha and the other with kasra. Al-musnid 
linguistically in the language linguistically it means that which has been attributed to some to someone yani al musnad is that which has been ascribed or attributed to someone the speech which is attributed to someone or the action which is attributed attributed to someone is called al musnad whereas the one who narrates it with the chain of narrators is called the musnid musnid is the one who reports it with a chain of narrators he's called musnid the thing that he reports is called the musnid so musnid means that which has been attributed to someone technically there are three meanings for musnid the first two are the most important a musnid it means every book whose narrations are separately arranged according to the sahabi who reported it and if there's a book which which contains many hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam but those hadith are classified into chapters every chapter contains the name of a sahabi and under his chapter are all the hadith he reported from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam for example there will be a chapter the chapter of abu huraira in that chapter all hadith from abu huraira are reported next chapter abdul ibn umar all the hadith of abdul ibn umar are reported Next chapter Aisha radiyallahu anha all the hadith which she heard from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam are reported in other words the book is classified or categorized into what into chapters all hadith for each sahabi is separate from hadith of another sahabi this is a book which is called musnad every book was classified like this which is arranged separately according to the sahabi who reported is called a musnad the most famous musnad is the musnad of imam ahmed rahimahullah in his book there are about 40000 hadith and he collected all of those hadith and the chapter headings according to the sahabi who heard the hadith from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the second definition of musnad is that hadith the hadith itself which is traced back to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam marfu'un with an unbroken chain yani should be with instead of which it should be written here with yani the hadith itself which has which is traced back to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam with an unbroken chain muttasil with an unbroken chain is also called musnad if there is a hadith that has a complete unbroken chain and it is attributed to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam not to a sahabi not to a tabi but to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam this hadith it has two conditions it's attributed to the prophet and it has an unbroken chain complete chain going to the prophet that's called also hadith this attributed to the prophet has to be these two things words of the prophet with an unbroken chain this is also called musnad so this word musnad you see it has two two meanings one the book which is classified in chapters of all the hadith of each sahabi separate and two any hadith which is traced back to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam with an unbroken chain is also called a musnad and number 3 musnad also means sometimes some of the scholars also call the chain of narrations instead of sanad instead of isnad some of times they call it musnad this is the third word used for the chain of narrations sanad isnad and also musnad but this third meaning is not so commonly used the next definition musnid with kasra with i the one who narrates the hadith with its chain of narrators if somebody narrates the hadith mentioning all of the people who reported it back to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that person who mentions such a, such a hadith with the chain of narrators is called al musnid the one who attributes the hadith to the, to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam with its chain of narrators the last three uh, definitions or titles or words I refer to the scholars of hadith the first of them is al muhaddith al muhaddith in case it's not written clearly please try to fill in the words because the photocopy machine didn't make it very clear al muhaddith m u h a d d i t h al muhaddith is the one who is engaged with the science of hadith riwayatan and dirayatan and we said what is riwayatan it deals with the classification of hadith and the narrators classifications of hadith yani identifying hadith according to the chain of narrators according to who it's attributed to and so on giving the hadith different names these classifications and also dealing with the narrators of hadith and their biographies is called riwayatan dirayatan means the study of the text of the hadith just the wordings of the hadith and its explanations the one who engages in both of these sciences classification of hadith as well as the study of text hadith and its explanations is called a muhaddith a person who has a comprehensive knowledge of hadith 
both sides of hadith, riwayah and biraya. Al-Hafiz is a title, some of the scholars said it means the same as Al-Muhaddith. But some scholars say Al-Hafiz is a higher standard. One who is of a higher standard such that he knows at every level of narratives or what he knows at every level of narratives is more than what he does not know. This definition should be the one who is, is of a higher standard such that what he knows such that what he knows at every level of narrators is more than what he does not know. This means that at every stage from Sahaba, Tabi'een, Atba'at Tabi'een and so on in the chain of narrators the knowledge that he has of those reporters of hadith at every level is more yani mostly he knows about it. There may be few things that he doesn't know but he knows more of those things than what he does not know. Okay, let us just stop for a minute for the adhan and then inshallah we'll complete the final definition. Uh, the last thing that we said, that we said Al-Hafiz, it means a person whose knowledge of the reporters of hadith at every level, whose knowledge is more than his ignorance. And the things that he is ignorant of or is not aware of or doesn't know is little in comparison to that which he knows. And the last title is Al-Hakim, Al-Hakim, he who has knowledge comprehending almost all of the hadith, whereas only a few might escape him. Yani, this is a person whose knowledge of hadith is so comprehensive that it's rare that there is a hadith that he didn't know about. In any case, uh, these are some terminologies that we may see from time to time. We might hear uh, of Al-Hakim, for example, the collector of the book Al-Mustadraq, Mustadraq Al-Hakim, or Al-Hafid ibn Hajj Al-Asqalani, the explainer of Sahih Al-Bukhari, so these titles, when we hear them, we shouldn't think that they are mere names. But these are titles which indicate the comprehensiveness of the knowledge of these scholars of hadith. If we say al-muhaddith, we mean a person who has a good knowledge of hadith. Yani all sides of the science of hadith. And when we say al-hafid, it means that that person has yani, a very, very, very comprehensive knowledge of the narratives of hadith and the narrations of the Prophet wasallam. And according to some of the scholars, al-hakim is even beyond that. In any case, this is what we wanted to cover tonight. And I just want to give you a chance to ask any questions about any of these definitions that are not clear, or anything that we said which may not be clear. Otherwise, you may ask any questions in the coming meeting after looking over these definitions, uh, which we have discussed this evening. Is there any questions or comments or corrections before we go? There's a few moments, inshallah, uh, before the people come for the next class, Arabic class. Sisters, be aware that there's Arabic class. Tafadl, Yaqib. Now, oh, regarding the books now. Uh, we will try to get um, copies. We will try to send for the book. If anybody wants to get it, we can get it from Riyadh. Otherwise, uh, we have some uh, photocopies of the book, which you can take uh, tonight, especially those who are attending, who, who intend to stick with us for the next few weeks with this course. Uh, this summary of Mustalah Hadith, then uh, you can take a copy of the book of Sheikh Suhaib Hassan, which we will primarily rely upon his book because it's available in English, so it's easy for you to follow. Otherwise, there are some Arabic texts that I will also use, but for the most part, I will try to uh, read directly from this book, An Introduction to the Science of Hadith by Dr. Suhaib Hassan. Any other question or comment? Inshallah, before we leave, you can take a copy. Any other question or comment? Marfu'a means, it is from the word Rafa'a, means to raise up. Marfu'an means that hadith which has been raised up or ascribed to the Prophet to the highest level. Yani the last level is to the Prophet So when we say Marfu'a, hadith Marfu'an, it means it is a hadith which is ascribed to the Prophet If we say that Abdullah ibn Umar reported Marfu'an, then it means he reported from the Prophet if we say mawqofan, it means saying of sahabi. If we say maktuan, it means tabi. And all of these terminologies, we will discuss in more detail 
uh, and explain marafoon, mawkufun and all of these things inshallah as we go along. Any other question? Then uh, we'll stop here and um, please just try to keep in mind this study of Mustalah Hadith is technical and it may be a little difficult for the first time technical things are difficult in the beginning if you want to study computer science maybe in the beginning it may be a little difficult if you want to study engineering in the beginning it may be difficult but once you get the foundations it becomes a little easier this science and it is indeed a science which helps us to know and to understand and to distinguish the hadith of the Prophet from that which has been ascribed or attributed to him falsely it is more important than other sciences and it is essential that we give some concern and care to it just be patient with it in the beginning inshallah you will get over it and, uh, but it's important that you attend regularly and be on time and try to take notes I will try to make some notes in writing but what I am not able to prepare you will also try to you know, help out by taking some notes yourself inshallah or recording the lecture so that you can review it Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk